0: From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swampson Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy showing from Monday, May 7th, the year 2018. Week of the Players, the last one that'll be held in May as the game's best to send down on Ponte Vedra Beach, and we welcome in, from Golf News Net to preview it, our friend Mr. Ryan Ballinger. Good evening. Jeremy, how are you? I am good. Um... What, um, as, as we start uh, today and this conversation, um, I thought we might get some fluke winners post-Augusta. Um, we had had too many good winners leading into the Masters. We had had too many big names, um, and we've got Satoshi Kadaira and Andrew Langer finally breaking through, and the um, Scott Piercy, Billy Horschel Group at the... Zurich, and then Jason Day yesterday, continuing what has been a um, a bounce back year for him. I thought we might end up on this on this um, path, and it's led to an interesting kind of run up here to a uh, uh, sorry, not to Augusta, to uh, Sawgrass, which is we've got a bunch of guys who are still playing well, but nobody who's been like, oh my god, and in my opinion. The question isn't so much about this week, it's about the U.S. Open, because you've got a trending in the right direction, Phil, a trending in the right direction off Sunday at Augusta, Ricky Fowler, Um, you know, one would think Jordan Spieth's run at history will help catapult him. It seems like we've got some people trying to work in the right direction. For this week, I have no idea.
1: Yeah, I was trying to put together a a top ten list that we do for fantasy every week, and Sometimes around the majors, we do 15 usually for the majors, but not for this tournament. And I feel like it would be pretty easy to come up with a top 20 list and you still probably would feel like you had two or three more guys left that you could think is legitimate threats to win. And that speaks to the depth of the tour right now. That speaks to the number of guys who can actually win. And it also speaks to uh, the reality that players right now, at least, seem to be going through four to seven to eight week spurts where they play their best golf. Maybe they pick off a win, maybe they pick off two wins, but then they kind of progress back to the mean, which is what happens in golf if you're not Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson or, or some kind of legendary player, and you, you just kind of be really good, but not your absolute best. And then you have a guy like Andrew Landry who is all or nothing. I and mean, he either gets into a playoff or wins, or he misses a cut. And then you kind of get this group of guys also, I think about Bryson DeChambeau, as kind of the leader of this pack maybe of late, that guys who can routinely get into the top 15, top 10 of an event, maybe even get on the medal stand, they're just not winning. And so if you look at that kind of group of guys, there are a lot of different types of players who have won the players. There are a lot of different types of golfers who can win this championship. We know what the golf course asks players you have to have a very strong approach game you have to avoid three putts you need to be able to put your ball precisely where Pete Guy at so you get the putt that he wants you to hit to make the birdie that you can make and whoever does that the best is ultimately going to win but that, that doesn't rule out a whole lot of the guys in the field
0: um, and as we saw last year with Siwoo Kim even if you miss it you got to be able to scramble because he scrambled the heck out of himself and that basically single-handedly won him the golf tournament Um. And uh, made a whole bunch of, of clutch par putts. Um, let's go through it like this. First of all, this is the last players in May. Will you be crying at the end of the week that this is vacating May?
1: No, I'm okay with it going back to March. I, I mean, I'm a product of the 80s, and I started liking golf in the 90s. So for most of my life, the players was in March. It was fine. Uh, Sawgrass is different in March. They have a, an overseed in March so it's not dormant Bermuda. That's fine. The green complexes and, and really the entire property have been dramatically improved in the time frame since that has gone to May. That's not going to be different in March. It's just going to be a different weather. So uh, I, I think that there will be an adjustment for, for, for guys who are especially in their 20s who never really played this championship when it was in March who didn't understand what that was like. There's more wind. I think that makes Sawgrass a little bit more interesting. It is a little bit more susceptible in being in northeast Florida to varying weather conditions. So you can have a 50-degree day, a 70-degree day, and an 80-degree day. I think that makes the tournament inherently more interesting. So I don't think it's a bad move to go from May back to March. I think that, truthfully, that's where it belongs, that after all of this investment by the tour and what they've done to this tournament – In the time frame that it's been in May, I think it actually has been elevated to the point that it can go back to March and not feel like a cheap knockoff of the Masters going into April, but rather a really great table setter for the rest of the year.
0: Um, Patrick Reed wins the Masters. He does it by getting a whole bunch of nice breaks and and answering every call that he needed to over the last two days and really hung tough um, on a Sunday where people were coming from all over. Uh, we, we've been wondering, you and I and, and everybody else in the golf world have been wondering when we would see Patrick Reed do this on a big stage. And lo and behold, he finally does it, gets a win. One of the oddest reactions I've ever seen to a major champion. We, we know the off-the-course drama. In terms of the on-the-course, where do you see this going for Patrick Reed? Because he is a very streaky player as is. He's somebody that when he's hot, he's unstoppable. When he's cold... He's shooting big numbers and traveling around the world and tiring himself out. Um, I don't quite know where to interpret what this does for Patrick Reed. I almost feel like this is, like, when, when Ricky finally breaks through, I feel like this is going to be a sigh of relief for Ricky, but I don't think this will dramatically alter Ricky's finishes or how many majors he would have won. It'll just be, this is when his first win is. I have no idea how Patrick's going to react to this.
1: Well, it seems like what he what he's done, what he accomplished, is kind of in the middle of this great run of golf. I mean, he's been, I think, in six straight top ten finishes or something in his individual starts. So he's been playing great golf for two plus months, and just so happens a major championship was in there. So I'm prone to think that he's going to keep this going a little while longer, and then maybe regress to the mean as we talked about earlier. But there's this other wrinkle to it that. Uh, we talked about it at Wells Fargo at, at Quail Hollow last week and that he has contacts in his eyes now he, he has corrective lenses now for the first time in his life and it took watching television with his in-laws uh, a week and a half before the Masters to figure out he wasn't seeing the TV right
0: which is and crazy he could read
1: basic stuff on, the, on a, a big screen TV and so he went to a doctor he got prescribed contact lenses, he popped those in and if you've ever worn contact lenses you remember your first time of the t- like taking an hour to get one lens in he probably bruised your eye in the process but he got him in and his vision was dramatically better he said especially inside of 30 yards seeing shot and so it gave him a little bit extra clarity so I'm curious if having played golf this way his entire life what will clear vision mean for him? I'm curious. I don't know if it's going to be a dramatic uptick. He got this far without being able to see all that well, apparently. But it could mean something substantial for him. Uh, either way, I, I still think that him winning a major is a validation to him of all the things that he's always done. And when you kind of feel validated that what you did was right, you can either do one of two things: you can keep doing it because you think it was right, or you try to achieve something else and so you change what you do. I, I, I would think Patrick is going to be. The former. He's going to keep doing things his way because he knows it worked. It, whatever the, the end, he got there. Uh, I think this is the start of, of good things for him, not just a, a one flickering moment.
0: we got to give some love to the LPGA Tour here for a second because we don't do that enough on this show. They've had a heck of a West Coast swing um, on some quality golf courses with some quality winners. Um, you know, Moria Jutarnagarn's win and crying in her sister's arms and, and the whole reaction from Arya, was, was one of the really cool moments. And then that shot from Lydia Ko, Ryan, which could go down as the shot of the year. I, to me, much like when Tiger eventually wins, it's going to be the F.U. moment to all the doubters and the haters. That shot, that through it from 236 or 238, whatever it was, was to me her F.U. moment to everybody... And ripping her for two years, including myself, uh, who wondered what the hell she was doing over the last couple of years trying to get her game right.
1: And probably, yeah, I agree. That was probably the shot of the year. I don't, you know, we've still got half a year to figure out what the the end winner is going to be. But that's that's a leader in the clubhouse at this point. I, Lydia Ko is such a fascinating case to me, and then I always think about this with players who achieve some level of success and then decide. The proper response to that is to change everything that they were doing. And I, I don't know if F.U. is the right way to put it, because I don't know if she true, If you gave her truth serum. Would she tell you that, in retrospect, she felt going to the A-swing with David Ledbetter was the right idea, changing all those caddies was the right idea? Uh, I, I don't think she would say yes, because I don't feel like she's that much better of a player. She's marginally longer, which would come with age anyhow. Uh, she's barely 21, which is something that's kind of easy to forget. And she's still a very good putter, and she still is capable of hitting the incredible shot that most players of either gender cannot because she's comfortable hitting a 237-yard three-wood around a tree short of the hole and run it up to two feet for a tournament-winning eagle. She can do that. Not many people got that so uh, I, I I'm very relieved for her I mean I I'm, she's easy to root for she's easy to like and people seem to really rally around her and I, I thought the reaction at least on social media when she won was very positive that was all right well we want to see you we want to see you succeed we want to see you do well again so uh, I hope that maybe she can kind of put all of that behind her and say okay what what has happened in the last two years has it happened it's done. Now we can move forward with this win in hand. I know I can do it. I know I can do it this way, that I know how now. And hopefully we'll move forward when win third, fourth, fifth majors and, and keep going on that tally towards being an, an ultimate Hall of Famer, which is what I think she
0: will be in the end. It's a shame he can't get in the field because what, what he did over the last couple of days was really impressive. But Aaron Wise is legit. He's to be reckoned with. Um and the way he made those ups and downs on seven, sorry, up and downs on 17 and 18 yesterday, two really hard up and downs, trying to get his first PGA Tour win, really impressed me. This is a kid who, and and you and I both know this, having watched the NCAA's, stepped up in a big spot, trying to win it for his home school on his home course in front of a legitimate golf gallery, not just 10 people. This is a, a huge gallery. Um, he finally played well on on a Sunday, and to, you know, go 68, 68, 70, 68, three rounds in the 60s around that place is really impressive stuff, and it paid off.
1: Yeah, I, I have to admit, I, I wasn't as high uh, as other people, maybe on Aaron, but he, he played tremendous golf over the weekend, he held his own, which, like you said, that... It's kind of this crop of young guys I think immediately Bo Hostler who probably should have a win maybe two by now given the way mm-hmm. he played Thursday, Friday, Saturday so far on the PGA Tour. But his final round scoring average is maybe the worst on the PGA Tour. It's certainly down low. And they're just young guys with loads and loads of talent who for whatever reason on Saturday or Sunday their their games change their nerves ratchet up. They, they just don't execute the same. And, and maybe this is Aaron's first big step forward in proving to himself, not only does he have the talent, I think he knew that a long time ago, to compete on the PGA Tour, but that he does have the mental ability to close off something this big, and yet he came up short, but I think he got an example in Jason Day of what it's like to be a world-class talent and still win, where you're looking for something all day and you finally find it for a couple of holes well enough to be able to finish the job.
0: Jason Day's tee shot on 17 is one of the great breaks you'll see all year because that ball's over the green and I don't think he's making birdie there and it hits the flag, could have gone in, hits the flag and and really catapulted him to being two under uh, over the green mile. That was uh, on a day where he hit some wacky tee shots including the the tee shot in the water on 14. He needed that badly and he got it. He did and I'm...
1: Yeah, seventeen was an incredible stroke of luck. I mean the, the bounce that he got on the down slope toward the back of the putting surface and hits off the stick, like you said, if it doesn't hit the stick, it's easily off and he's got a really difficult up and down to save par. I, I thought sixteen was equally pivotal. I mean if you knock a drive down there three eighty, you don't walk away with Bertie, you kinda of no. go empty. Yeah. And Rory McIlroy did that earlier in the week and made bogey. His, it won 300, I think, 66 yards, 367 yards on that same hole. Not only did he miss the green, he didn't make par. So that's the difference between being able to, to execute with wedges and not. And then you get the break on 17, that's fine. And then on 18, you have the luxury with the lead that he does to hit an iron on a 500-yard hole and leave, what, a six iron in because you're all juiced up for it. And at that point, the tournament was over. As long as he avoided hazards, he was fine. He did both those things. So, again, goes to the experience of figuring out how to win. He knew how to do that, and he got himself into a position on the 72nd tee that he didn't need to do anything fancy. He just needed to stay alive and keep his ball uh, not submerged, and he did that. And it's easy to forget Jason Day because... He has only made seven starts in calendar 2018, and he's probably only going to make, like, seven more. you got the remaining major championships. You've got a WGC, and you've got the playoffs. So maybe eight starts he really has to make the rest of the way, maybe ten altogether, I don't know. But he's not going to play a whole lot more golf. He's going to backload it, but not play a whole lot more. But so far to this point of the year, only seven. And... It's easy to forget. He is when he plays his best golf. In that conversation of who would the best player be if they all played their best golf at the same time. And you would have Day in there. You would have Rory McIlroy in there. You would probably have Dustin Johnson in there and Justin Justin Thomas in there. You'd probably have Jordan Spieth in there as well. And I, I think that the winner of that would probably more often than not be Jason Day. He just can do everything when he does it right. The impressive thing here was, like you mentioned, he did it when he didn't have everything going right, on Sunday at least, and uh, that's, that's that next level that winners, the best winners
0: on the PGA Tour have, is when it's not going right, they still figure it out anyhow. Talking to Ryan Bounder here on Teeing It Up, just to complete the Bo Hostler point, there are 210 players, Ryan, who have um, enough rounds to qualify under the final round scoring average stat. Bo Hostler is 176 right now. so. Mm. Certainly on on the bottom part, a seventy two point eight scoring average in the final round uh, this year, and and what's also hurting him is he has one of the most amounts of final rounds registered. He has fourteen. I'm I'm just quickly looking through here. Uh, there is nobody else year i don't
1: think what he's
0: in
1: the, i don't think even the 60s in a final
0: round this year maybe uh, one uh 14 is the highest number of final rounds i've seen of any player on here and i'll i'll answer that for you in a second about if he's even shot in the 60s in the final round but it's as you said except for houston he's really had um a lot of problems um in final rounds uh let's see here just one second uh here we go with the results he shot six he shot in the 60s in the final round at Sea Island the career builder Houston and Harbour town that's it but he also has final rounds of 80 79 76 79 that won't help your score that will not that, help your results
1: that just does not do Bo hotler's talent
0: justice no it does not
1: um, even, it, even if he throws it get rid of the 80 and a 79
0: Couple seventy nine. Yes, two even of them turn those into seventy five. And I, I, know that sounds
1: silly, but even if you just turn those into seventy five, he has a much better season on his hands, at least statistically, in terms of FedEx Cup point. world ranking. means he's in such a better place if he just plays three strokes better on three rounds.
0: Say what you want about those FedEx Cup player advantage segments that run on every Sunday golf telecast that drive people nuts. And as Jim Nance rightly pointed out, it's in the contract. We would not necessarily run them, but it's in the contract. Um, and I'm not sure if you saw the one yesterday, but they had a bunch of guys saying how every shot matters and you must try until the end and focus because at the end of the year, you never know when that one shot you kept focusing on even when you were out of it matters. It's cheesy. It sounds like they've been forced to say this by the tour, but this is what actually matters in the end. It was less than one point that that uh, decided who kept your card or not uh, going, in, going into this season. I think it was under a point. Um, that stuff matters whether you think the segments are cheesy or not it's true the every shot does matter in the end and that and those the, the saving those five shots as you said could have a huge impact on a season down the line i am way more optimistic than i think some people were coming out of wells fargo for tiger and here's why he's never put it slow greens well unless they got a lot of rain recently in Ponte Vedra it ain't going to be slow greens this week we know that or or if it's uh, uh, very hot. And he's hitting the ball better than he was in the earlier part of the year. I have no idea if he wins. I'll doubt it. I mean, this golf course re- requires you to be precise, but I, I think he'll play okay. Everybody's looking to Phil, who shot 64 on Saturday, hung in there a bit yesterday. Um, but I think that this is one of your classic cases of Phil's trending, and then he craters again, just like he did at Augusta. Um And Rory said that he's lost. He admitted to Amanda flat out, I'm lost. Uh, Which is not what you want to be telling the interviewer. Um, So, of the big names this week, and Justin Thomas had to borrow a putter. Uh, I'm not sure of these big names, besides Jason Day, but it's hard to win back-to-back weeks, especially like he did being in contention and not playing well. That'll get exposed this week. Um... I'm not quite sure amongst the big names who I like this week, precisely. Patrick Reed played well, um, but I can see a bunch of big names having some very odd weeks, which usually happens around that place.
1: Yeah, there's not really a uh, a sense of momentum about Sawgrass. Yeah. It can all come unwound in a hurry. There's a triple or a quad waiting for you you if you want to let it happen. And so... It's kind of like a U.S. Open in that regard, where it doesn't seem like it because it just visually is completely different than a U.S. Open. But there are a lot of those scores at the players. There are lots of doubles and triples and quads that you don't see because those people don't get on TV. They miss the cut or they get MDF. But those things happen a lot. And, and so I feel like you play. And I've never asked a professional this, but I feel like you would play. This championship a lot like the U.S. Open on pins and needles. Where it's, you, it's even worse because you know there are holes that you can get. You can get a bunch of different holes at Sawgrass, and you should. And if you don't, then you've lost strokes to the field. You've got to get two. But uh, if you make a worse than a par on number two, that's a horrible error. Three can can swing up and get you. So can four. So can five. But you should get four because it's short. But then five can get you. And it just goes on and on like that, and it then you all lead up to 16, 17, and 18. After you just played two of the harder holes in the course, by the way, at 14 and 15, and you're like, all right, well, i got to find a way to get out of here and eat it. And if you don't eagle or birdie 16, then how are you going to do it? Because I, I don't see anyone going, not many people go first birdie on 17, 18. It just does not happen very often. So it's just a total mentality switch. It's it, it really is the nature of the championship. So, but then again, at the same time, I ranked Rory number one this week. For as much as he hates this golf course, or at least he says he does, <laughs> he's finished in the top nine like each of the last four years. So, whatever he dislikes about it, it may be preventing him from winning. But it's not preventing him from being superior to most of the players in the field. By contrast. Jason Day has won twice this year. He has an astronomically bad stroke gain approach number, considering that he's won twice. So he's doing it with driving and putting. Well, you don't hit a whole lot of drivers at Sawgrass, and you got to do a lot of defensive putting there, too. So do you instantly rank him high because he's played so well in his limited starts? I don't know. I, I would not. And then you kind of look at guys like Henrik Stenson, who is one of the leaders on the PGA Tour in strokes gained approach, but he hardly plays. And he, I'm going to tell you, a 42, 43-year-old guy is a better pick than John Rahm or Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth or Rory McIlroy or go down the line of young guys. That's hard to justify, too. So it, it really is a conundrum trying, trying to find momentum as a player going into this course and knowing that it can be shattered at any minute. And as someone who's trying to figure out who's going to win the tournament... You can have a whole lot of reasons why someone should and should not win this tournament. Kind of what makes it really interesting. There's no easy way to look into the crystal ball and feel like you know what's going to happen. And if you're a player, there's really not a whole lot you can game plan for in terms of that moment that's going to happen where you find yourself looking at, well, maybe doubles a good score here.
0: Cameron Smith, Luke List, and uh, Patrick Cantlay. Those are my three kind of... I really think you, you could see those names. I, 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 I'm going to pick a winner here in a second. I don't know who to pick. I don't have a name that has popped into my head yet. Um, all right, Jason Duffner. There's my pick, Jason Duffner. Uh, he seems to have the right mentality for that place. But Luke List, who's overdue for a win. Patrick Cantley, who's got that kind of boring... His, 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 his game's not boring, but he, he hasn't have the big miss like a lot of guys have Um, and Cameron Smith who has been trending in the right direction for a while now I I just think that this golf course sets up really nicely for those three kind of names
1: I think so too I I like Luke Lisp a lot I like Cameron Smith a lot I'm kind of biased against Cantlay I I can't really explain why but (laughs) I feel like he's lost a step this year too after that great comeback run from last year I'm worried that now he's trying to pick back up where he left off six years ago, and he's going to find it to be a struggle. But we'll see. I, I also really like Justin Hadley. He has had a tremendous season, and hardly anyone seems to respect what he's accomplished. Yeah. And he plays great on peak-guy golf courses. He's done well on them. He just did well on one at TPC Louisiana. Uh, he seems to like Harbortown. Same thing with, think about Luke List. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's room for kind of another Woo camp, a guy that certainly has all of the, the tools and essentials to be able to win a championship this big or win a major championship, but that they're just not there yet to do it week to week or, or more frequently for whatever reason, and that this will either be a, one of three things. A big jumping off point, which so far really hasn't been for Siwoo, although he did have a chance at, at Harbor Town. It could just be, you know, that's their career accomplishment. Uh, it was for a long time for Adam Scott, his career accomplishment to win this championship. Or it could be a springboard to bigger things. And it, of late, if you've won this championship, it has not been a springboard to bigger things. It, it hasn't been. It's been a great payday, it's been an important moment in your career. But it hasn't led to bigger things. And and by that, I mean more major championship opportunities. Maybe close call. Think about Ricky Fowler. Think about Matt Kuchar. Mark Keimer did win a major after winning the players in 2014. He already had one in the bag, so I guess that's a lateral move. But Ricky Fowler has not. Siwoo has not. Um, Jason Day has kind of gone sideways relative to his talent level since winning. So I don't know that it's necessarily the best. to win this championship for your future career but i I do think that there are plenty of guys as you mentioned that crop and maybe three or four others in that 20 something late 20s early thirty, maybe 30 on the number group i mean luke's in his 30s but you know that group of guys that have demonstrated the ability for a long time uh, in some cases to be able to do this and they just haven't
0: uh who's your winner
1: I really do like Justin Hadley. I I felt good. Right,
0: a lot of people. (laughs) No, he's had a great year, and I, I think also he, in in the same way veterans in in team sports, you know, late in their careers, go to the team that they think has the best chance to win because they want to ring. The emotion he showed in the Web.com tour last year, after knowing he would go back to the big tour, he missed it. I think he's eternally grateful. I don't think he's out there for the big flashiness that is the PGA Tour. He's out there to win, make a living, and be able to stay for a prolonged period of time. And his one win, which was Puerto Rico, right? You know, the, the, that, that was not the flashy win that gets you into Augusta and gets you the 500 points and gets you all the other stuff. He was in an opposite field event that did not get a ton of spotlight for what he did, which was a very nice victory. Um, so I, I, I think he is grateful and he does come from that other class of, of, of guys who wins. I'm going to end this uh, chat in a different way than we normally do because we've both picked our winners. I don't know if it was you that told me this or somebody else, that they've made a change to number 12 this year, the drivable par 4. They've kind of flattened the drop-offs to try to entice more guys to go for it. Was that you was that Shaq who told me that? It wasn't me,
1: although Shackelford did have a nice piece I haven't read in full yet on the changes they've made to 12. It seems like they're trying to make it a little bit more interesting for guys to go for the green on the left side so that it's not so obvious that if you miss the green, you're going in the water. Uh, And they flattened out another area on the right side uh, to give guys a little bit more of an opportunity as well, I think. So there there are two or three subtle changes to the hole that they're going to try and make a little bit better. Uh, a little bit more enticing for guys to go for it because by the by the time they got to the second round last year down there in person hardly anybody was going for the green because they knew that wasn't the right play yeah. statistically it just was not so they, they tried to do the right things to make it more of a 50-50 opportunity instead of a 60-40 70-30 toward playoff.
0: yeah um and and uh, so as I'm just briefly looking at Shaq's article here um, which is too long to summarize right now so I will just tell people to go on the Shaq's Twitter feed and um, and and see it for themselves will it matter do you think in, in this the last hurrah May the Tim Fincham gloriness that was players to May limited commercial interruptions um, trying to do everything they could to, could to elevate the event changing this 12th hole has his footprints on it not Jay Monahan's. um Will this shine? Will, will the 12th hole shine, or will we still be talking about 16, 17, 18 by the time Sunday night comes?
1: I, I think 12 is an improvement. You know, they're, they're, they will dial it in, just like he did the rest of this golf course. But Pete Dye had a long time to dial in this golf course. I mean, when this golf course debuted in the, the early 80s, all the players hated it. They never wanted it to come back. And Pete Dye did the right thing. He listened to what the players had to say. He softened features. He changed things. They were maybe too severe, too extreme. He changed the putting surfaces in a big way to make them more approachable and accessible. Pete tides obviously not really able to do that now. He's got dementia slash Alzheimer's. He is done designing golf courses. However, he has such a body of work that the PGA Tour and, and his team and who they hired to bring in to do this kind of work can look on that huge resume, that huge portfolio of work and find some ways to make sure Pete Dye's challenge at 12 remains something Pete Dye would do and still give players something at that point in the round that keeps them on their toes. Because every hole in the back does that and did that for the entire history of, of Sawgrass, except for 12. 12 in the old way was a layup to a blind spot And then a little wedge in, and maybe you made birdie, but you probably weren't going to do worse than par unless you hit two awful shots. This is better than that. And hopefully, with what Jack Wilford has laid out in terms of the changes, what the tour has done to make it a little bit more appeasing, appealing to try to drive the green, that makes 12 a really great follow to 10 being tricky, 11 a great par 5 that's not as well understood, I think, as it probably could be, and well appreciated it could be. 13 is a great par 3 transition hole into 14, which is super tough. 15 is sneaky tough, and then 16, 17, and 18. All of a sudden, at 12, they get right. That's one of the strongest nine-hole runs in golf, not just professional golf, but golf, period. So it's big, but I think that this is a better solution than what they had the past.
0: We shall see how it will all play out come... Sunday afternoon on NBC, Ryan Ballingy. Thanks, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up to preview the players. Hey Jeremy. This conversation will be in March next year, um, and it will not be warm outside. It will be cold, unfortunately. Uh, Thank you all for listening to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for today. We will see you next time.